0: Are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network? Hello and welcome to a February 5th Monday night edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host. Eric Garcia-Gunderson, editor and writer at LeBron Wire, part of the USA Today NBA Wire sites, and your host here on Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the show. It is Monday. It is the end of Portland's three-game road trip, and their three-game road trip ended very much the way it began with a blowout loss on the road. They go 0-3 on the road trip with a couple of blowouts to bookend the trip and a really close loss to the Boston Celtics on Sunday morning. A tough trip for the Blazers. I thought it was a big trip. I thought it would have been really encouraging, I think, for their current core had they won some of these games, but they did not. And that is kind of... Leaves them in a, in a really difficult spot here heading into the trade deadline. And we'll talk about some of the rumors that the Blazers have been connected with heading into this trade deadline that is now three days away. More, more like two because uh, it's the end of February 5th here and it, it is going to be on February 8th at noon. So lots of things to talk about with the Blazers lots of rumors interesting things and i think ultimately uh i'll I'll give you my take on it but i think you know where i'm going with where the end of the deadline where the blazers are at the end of the deadline this time around um but the blazers just finished up their three-game road trip it was a tough one as i mentioned they closed it out monday night with a 20 point loss to the new look detroit pistons blake griffin was phenomenal andre drummond was a beast and those are two things that the Blazers had a tough time dealing with tonight. Uh Yusuf Nurkic did not do well in the matchup against Andre Drummond. And Blake Griffin has proven to be a very tough matchup for the Blazers in the past, and that continued on Monday night as he had 21 points and 9 rebounds and 6 assists. Drummond had 17 and 17. Before we get into that game, I think it's probably better to to break down the game that I didn't talk about. Yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday. Went to a a party with some Eagles fans. Uh, So obviously I did not have a podcast after the game last night because, you know, it was the Super Bowl. And and I didn't think that that many people would be looking for one, especially with a game today which just ended. But we'll talk about the Boston game first before we get into the Detroit game. The Blazers lost to Boston 97-96. On Sunday night, the Blazers blew a 16 point halftime lead in that game, and it was a pretty disappointing loss. And one that you think of it even more now, having seen the way they performed against Detroit this evening, one that they definitely should have had, knowing that this travel, this back to back, was going to be brutal. And they didn't, they weren't able to take advantage of a, a really, you know, fortunate situation that they got the Celtics in with no Kyrie Irving, no Marcus Smart, two of their you know core guys on the team who were not available and the Blazers had a great chance to win at the end even after Boston came back and took a five-point lead. Dame made some amazing plays down the stretch, had an and one to get the Blazers ahead even though he had a really bad night, hit a free throw to make them go up one. The Blazers we're playing defense they fouled with about four seconds left because they had a foul to give when Jalen Brown had CJ McCollum kind of ISOed up and then with about a couple seconds left they they threw the ball to Al Horford Horford had a couple of moves on um, Alfred Camino Aminu stayed with him who I thought I thought Aminu actually did a pretty good job against Horford but Horford has been in my opinion, I voted him in our Locked On Midseason Awards as the All-NBA First Team Center, and he just canned a really tough shot against Al farouq Aminu's defense that lost the Blazers the game, but obviously, as I mentioned, blowing a 16-point lead, that game did not just come down to that one shot by Al Horford and the plays by Dame at the end. The Blazers just did not stick the pedal to the metal. And also credit to the Celtics, who are a very well-coached team. They're a very deep team. Terry Rozier has been playing really good basketball while Kyrie's been hurt, even in some of the games that Kyrie has played. Uh, yeah, they, they have a really balanced team. I and mean, Terry Rozier is probably their seventh best player. And he had some huge shots down the stretch in this game. Jalen Brown had four three-pointers Jason Tatum also killed the Blazers down the stretch of the game who he did not have that great of a night but hit some big threes hit some big shots down the stretch against the Blazers in the fourth quarter and the Blazers just really did not wake up in time I think you know Dame didn't really get going until the very end of the game that kind of hurt but it the same time they just didn't do a good enough job holding that lead and and keeping the pedal to the metal so to speak and the the Celtics showed why they have one of the best records in the league the second best record in the league right now and that they're almost a lock to be the number one seed in the East again they are growing and they have a lot of really good young talent some young talent that may be on the move according to some reports but That was a really brutal loss, one that the Blazers should have prevented on the road. Boston, tough team, tough environment, but they were down a couple of key guys, and that ultimately was just a really bad loss for the Blazers, I thought. Maybe, I think it was probably worse than tonight's loss, even though tonight's loss was worse in terms of the point total, I thought it was a little bit worse than that because this is tonight's loss was the second game of a back-to-back. The Pistons seem to be a, on a little bit of a roll ever since they got Blake Griffin. They've won three straight, and the Blazers always have a tough time against Blake. I I I think I mean I'm not looking up any any splits right now, but i just matchup-wise, it's a tough matchup for the Blazers because. Griffin is so skilled, Aminu can do a lot of different things, but against star players that are that good, it's really hard to affect them on the offensive end when they can, when a defender, just like Al Horford the other night, you can do everything right and Blake Griffin can still cause problems for you. And him and Drummond have been working really well together and they've really rebounded after a really rough stretch of play. I think they lost eight straight games at one point in January, but they, they're bouncing back a little bit now. And, and Portland, I, I think, did just did not have the legs to keep up in the game with them. In the second half especially, they really, really faded and really just could not keep up. I mean, it was a reasonably close game in the first half, but the Blazers were just simply not able to to keep up, and they really got run off the court in the second half. Uh, to lose by 20, obviously, it's not great, but I think it was really the, the legs and the, the not just of this road trip also. The Blazers, this game ended a stretch of where they had six of eight games on the road over a two-week stretch, and the only home games they had were they had one against Chicago, which was a one, one-night homestand, basically. They had another brutal trip during this stretch where they had a one-game road trip to Dallas and then flew back to Portland. Then after that, they went down to Los Angeles, had that nice win against the Clippers. But they then, you know, they went back home to Portland after that. Then they go to Toronto, Boston, Detroit. And this this travel schedule has been very brutal. The Blazers never get any breaks on the travel schedule. That's just the way of geography with the Blazers being the only team in the Pacific Northwest so and also being in a division with a bunch of teams that are nowhere near you geographically. That's the other factor of it. So those are all different things and I think at the end of this trip you could see just some tired legs and it was a disappointing game for the Blazers. Definitely to try and get the the bad taste out of the mouth on Sunday. It would have been really nice for them to win this game. But you look at the schedule and you kind of you also do kind of have to look at it as a schedule loss, even though this team, you know, we we thought going into this road trip, hey, it'd be nice if they win some of these games. That Toronto game I thought was a really big one. It was I thought it was going to show us a lot. And maybe it did. Maybe uh, maybe maybe that is some of the, the issues with the Blazers is that they are able to p- pick up wins against good te- against bad teams they're able to rack up some some wins in those regards but then it, when it comes to uh, playing the elite teams in the league they they really just can't keep up and they maybe that's a problem and and Nurkic tonight I thought uh, really more so than his offense I, on the glass just getting absolutely manhandled by Drummond only five rebounds and 25 minutes of action when you are matched up against a center of that caliber who doesn't really shoot threes doesn't stretch you out is a really talented player, you know, you'd like to see a little bit more grit, a little bit more toughness. And Nurkic can defend and and really is good at blocking shots and helping and and, and things like that. But uh you know, he, he just didn't deliver tonight in a matchup where I think they needed him to to really perform uh, against an all-star in Andre Drummond. And, and and Nurkic's talent has been really up and down. That's really been the the story of his season. He had a great start to the game against the Celtics. I think he scored Portland's first eight points. But uh, he, he's also still very young. And I think this stuff, the stuff that we're talking about here with Nurkic, I thought being a little disappointing. Shabazz Napier played tonight who did not play in the Boston game. Evan Turner sat out with a sore calf which he had been playing well, and I think that I'm of the belief that Turner has helped the Blazers, especially in that starting lineup mostly. And Mo Harkless played really well against the Celtics as well on this trip, had a, a great game, hit five three-pointers, but just did not have the as good of a game tonight. He kind of came back to earth, which after he goes five or five from three – you kind of understand, being that it's Mo Harkless, and he played 23 minutes tonight, three of five from the field, six points, no three pointers, no rebounds either, which I think is pretty close to inexcusable when you're playing in the front court of the Blazers. Aminu did have 13 rebounds, but you you need to have guys that are doing a little bit of everything, and 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 Harkless. Had some nice moments, but ultimately did not play very well in this one. And now the Blazers kind of look at – they're back home for the next few days before they face the the Charlotte Hornets. And they – it sounds like they've already kind of made their decisions from what reports suggest, and we're going to talk about those trade rumors in the next segment. But uh, only three days, two and a half days really until the trade deadline. So lots of interesting things. I know a lot of you are antsy hoping that they make a deal, hoping that something happens and maybe something will happen. And and this is one of the things about the NBA is, you know, we've heard all these reports. We've heard about the rumors before that don't come to fruition. And Portland is always quiet. But I think one thing to keep in mind is that usually when the Blazers do something, it kind of comes out of nowhere. So – uh, if it's worth you know remembering here as we get into the trade dialogue and when we talk about these rumors, the Blazers usually move in silence. They usually do things that come as a surprise because Neil Olshay likes to keep it that way. The Blazers are a very quiet group until the moment happens, So uh, we'll talk about those trade rumors here in the next segment, but just one quick message. If you wanted to sponsor our show, if your company is interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Lockdown Blazers is listened to by 98% men and 80% men between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men between that age group, this is your spot. Our rates are reasonable. So email me at lockdownblazers at gmail.com to find out more. So the Blazers are coming back home after finishing a brutal, brutal travel stretch in their schedule. And we're going to look ahead at the final stretch of games that they'll have that'll be a little bit easier on the bodies of the the Blazers, I think, in terms of travel before the All-Star break here in about nine days. We are uh, from the NBA All-Star break But we'll talk about that after we get into the most fun part of the season for some people, the most frustrating part of the season for others. It's the NBA trade deadline. In two and a half days, there are lots of rumors and some concerning the Blazers. And we'll get to the biggest one and the most direct connection to the Trailblazers, And that was from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. He was on The Low Post with Zach Lowe. And they talked about some of the trade rumors. They talked about the Cavs, who are obviously the the kind of the most intriguing team in terms of the trade stuff because they're so bad and they're such a mess. And then there's a lot of teams with guys on rookie deals who are really interesting, which we can talk about. But uh, the, the biggest one was DeAndre Jordan and Woj's report on the low post that the Blazers have reportedly backed off of DeAndre Jordan and Woj cites keeping some of their future flexibility and concerns about if you bring back if you sign DeAndre Jordan to a big deal this summer even if it's only for three years which or it could be up to five who knows then you're pretty much married to the core group of Dame CJ and DeAndre Jordan and I think the concern here from the Blazers is DeAndre Jordan right now is much better than Yusuf Nurkic is much better than a lot of the guys that the Blazers have playing at center because he's consistent he's a great rebounder he can dunk the ball but he's getting closer to 30 he really relies heavily on his athleticism that could start to wane and then he doesn't really have the skills to really be you know age gracefully so to speak in terms of shooting the ball post moves uh passing a lot of different things that are part of the game that in today's nba you need somewhat you need your your guys on the court to be able to do that and in the age of the warriors i think you really do need guys that maybe not necessarily that have to be the same size as the warriors but you need guys that can do pretty much little bits of everything and Unfortunately, Jordan is kind of a limited player, and he's such an impact player in the first 46 minutes of a game, you know, 40-something 40, 40, 40 minutes of the game. Then you get into the fourth quarter, or even in the late third quarter, you can foul him. they can do the hack-a-shack stuff. He can't make his free throws still. He hasn't had that kind of aha moment where he can make free throws. And if one of your core guys can't play in the fourth quarter that is a concern especially if if hypothetically now I don't have any sources on this but the if the Clippers came asking for Zach Collins which Woj and Lowe both said it sounds like the Blazers are very sold on Zach Collins that they're very in on him not just the front office but players and coaches as well and Collins has done a really nice job of playing well as of late and it sounds like The Blazers are reluctant to include Collins in any deal, which I understand. And I think if you can project Collins, now there was a great article in The Ringer that talked about this kind of timeline problem facing the Blazers, but I kind of disagree about it being that big of an issue. because. You can see the outline of the type of player collins can be rim protector rim runner shoots the three can space the court screener low usage doesn't need the ball a lot to make an impact you can see that outline of the player he's just not there yet in terms of body maturity and also sometimes sometimes you can kind of see that he's still a rookie with the the know-how stuff but Collins, you see the outline of the player that he is, and he's almost the exact perfect player that you want in this day and age next to CJ and Dame, You keep those two guys together, which also was reported on that podcast, that both those guys are pretty much off the table. And unless, you know, some offer comes with a star player, I don't think that they're going to do that because it doesn't really make them better, which is has been my position for a while is if you trade cj which doesn't sound like they're gonna do you're just going to be faced with a similarly mediocre team they're just going to be mediocre in a different way and i don't necessarily think that that is what portland should be shooting for they should be trying to keep their stars together at all cost at all costs and find that third guy because they have two guys they need to find that third guy and it sounds like the Blazers maybe believe that Zach Collins can be that third guy. May take some time, but I don't necessarily think it's going to take all that necessarily long. I mean, I I come to think of a guy who came in pretty late around the time that Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were in their primes and entering their primes, and that is Stephen Adams. Now, Collins is a different player than Stephen Adams. He's a different type of archetype i guess he can sit the screens he can shoot the three it's a little bit different than adam's not quite as big and physically imposing but he's effective and i don't think it's going to necessarily take that long for him to be him to be effective be effective i'll roll and i i think that the 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 notion that collins's timeline deviates so far from Damon cj is, is is a good narrative bit to add more intrigue to a story, but I don't necessarily think it's that legitimate of a concern for the Blazers. Because Dame likes Zach Collins, and th- the players are already starting to like Zach Collins. The fact that he can do so many things already and looks comfortable doing so many things speaks to what he can be, and the fact that he's already effective. And no, he's not ready to be the starting center this season. But you can see the outline of a guy who could become that, and I wouldn't trade him for DeAndre Jordan. So if the Clippers are asking for Zach Collins, I would say no. And even to a lesser extent, you know, Caleb Swanigan, who if you don't re-sign Noah Vonley, if you don't re-sign Ed Davis those are a lot of guys, those are two guys that you know, are probably going to play a lot if you don't resign nurk you know if, if nurk's price tag becomes pretty high who knows and so you just don't want to box yourself in to a guy at a certain position when you have a guy who you think is going to be the next guy at that spot at the five and i think collins is playing four right now and i think it'll help him in his future but he projects as a five i think he it just a little bit reminds me of Kristaps Porzingis when he started where Porzingis wasn't starting the year at five. He played a year with Robin Lopez and he needed some time to grow into becoming a center. And I think Collins is kind of a similar thing, not on the level of Porzingis as a as a star that can carry a team by himself. But I think in the impact that the Blazers need him to have, it does remind me of that kind of track, you know, that track. So. If the Blazers are as high on Collins as many people say, which is what Woj and and Lowe were reporting today, and with the way that he's played lately, I don't I don't disagree. If you're that high on him, it makes no sense to put in a bunch of cap space and tie all of that money up into DeAndre Jordan when maybe your team is going to be better in a couple of years with Zach Collins anyway. So. I see where their where they're thinking is with that, but that's the latest on DeAndre Jordan. They're not interested in trading for him right now, and Zach Collins seems to be the future and seems to be a guy that's going to be part of this core group, but I would say that pretty much anybody else outside of Dame, CJ, and Collins could potentially be on the move. Maybe Aminu, I think, probably has earned a, a spot in that core group as well, but the other problem is, of course, that the Myers, Leonard, and Turner contracts, and even the Harkless contract to an extent seem to be like they're not generating a lot of interest because uh the Blazers haven't done anything with those guys but at the same time Portland could be angling to keep Conant or to keep Harkless because they may fear that they're going to lose Conant in the summer to a big deal Napier same thing so who knows what happens there but that is the latest on the Blazers related rumors and then lots of young players that are going to be restricted free agents this year lots of teams are looking at guys to potentially move and there's there's some interest around some intriguing guys I think Portland you know could be it would be interesting to think about them on the Blazers one guy is Rodney Hood from the Utah Jazz he plays shooting guard but he can definitely play the three I think he would be a pretty nice fit next to CJ and Dame the only real problem with him is that he doesn't really stay healthy from a night-to-night basis he has a lot of nagging injuries here and there and that can be really difficult to play around for a team. So I I, I get why maybe Portland doesn't want to be, doesn't want to get Rodney hood and give up a lot for Rodney hood in that type of scenario. But the jazz aren't very good. And I think they have really narrowed their core group of guys to Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, who is, you know, has as great of a chance to win rookie of the year as Ben Simmons at this point. So rodney hood doesn't look like he's part of their core and maybe portland could could see what they have there on the on the trip what is available there what utah might want to make a deal for because they don't want to pay him a lot of money portland may not want to pay him a lot of money either but maybe it's a different situation where he fits in well in at the three or so and, and and they can do something like that another guy that is very interesting that a lot of people, a lot of you guys have reached out to me actually on Twitter talking about is Aaron Gordon, who the magic, according to uh, Michael Scotto of the athletic, the magic are listening to offers quietly for Aaron Gordon. Gordon has learned to shoot the three. Uh, He has incredible physical gifts at the four, I think is really what he can be great at. And, Maybe you bring him here, you can slide a Aminu down to the three, or you, you stick with Turner, then you have at least some other shooters. You can bring Aminu off the bench, you could even play them all, you know, Aminu at center, stuff like that. You can go real crazy with it if you can find a deal that works for you without giving up too much, but it just remains to be seen what the what the Magic would consider a good deal for Aaron Gordon because certainly they would want at least a first-round pick for him Maybe more, but the Blazers don't have a ton of great assets that aren't expiring contracts at the end of this year that they'd be willing to give up. I mean, like I said, Shabazz, Pat Connaughton, uh, Vonley I think has been really good. And if 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 Detro if Orlando is really big on Vonley, which it didn't work out, uh, it didn't really work out for him here because I think he's kind of already been replaced by Zach Collins maybe you can sell Orlando on his potential and they can try and sign into a small deal, what have you. But I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. It also depends on what I think. It also depends on what they think of Jonathan Isaac, a guy who basically projects the same to play the same position as Aaron Gordon, as a really athletic power forward, a guy that can maybe even play some center at times. And, if they're kind of sold on him as the future and they want to build around Jonathan Isaac, then, you know, maybe that makes a deal for the Blazers easier to get done for say a first round pick. And I think it would, the Blazers would have to resign Aaron Gordon to a pretty large deal this summer. But if they got him, he would be a restricted free agent. The Blazers can match, get his bird rights, et cetera, et cetera. So it would not be the worst deal. And to me comparing that to Deandre Jordan I'm much more comfortable giving Aaron Gordon $20, 25000000 a year than doing that deal with DeAndre Jordan because Gordon can continue to get better. I think he's the type of—he he fits that positional need in the front court that he can kind of swing between three and four. He's a front court guy that can stretch the defense out, can make plays, a phenomenal ball handler and passer. Uh, reminds me a lot of Blake Griffin, actually. And I, I, I think would be really interesting if— if the Blazers could potentially get their hands on him. I, another, you know, my, my buddy Chris Ross, who writes at LeBron Wire, had a piece detailing why the Cavs should go after Aaron Gordon. But I, 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 there's a really great case for the Blazers to go after Aaron Gordon. I think it just depends on how sold they are on Jonathan Isaac, how kind of, how much they can also get for Aaron Gordon, because I don't think Noah von Le- Jake Lehman at a first round pick is going to get it done. And I don't think they necessarily put, need to put CJ on the table because that's not a good deal for the Blazers to get rid of CJ for Aaron Gordon. But that I think is the type of deal that maybe Portland Toby for, maybe they're big on Swanigan and he's on a rookie deal. He can play center for them. He can rebound. Maybe it's a Swannigan deal for, for Aaron Gordon, who knows, but it seems like they're not going to trade Collins. They're not going to trade Dame or CJ. So those are the little Blazers nuggets that we have as of now, two and a half days from the trade deadline. And in a second, we're going to preview the rest of the pre-All-Star break season before we wrap this one up and uh, send it off into the night. So the rest of the Blazers schedule until the all-star break. It starts Thursday, the day of the trade deadline at home. Finally, they'll be home. They're coming home tonight. They're going to get to rest, be in their bed for a few days. They're not going to have practice tomorrow. They're going to be able to kick their feet up finally and and not worry too much. But they'll place the Charlotte Hornets who have an old friend in Nick Batum who's having a tough season uh Kemba Walker reportedly on the move but at the same time Michael Jordan has come out and said basically unless the Spurs give us Kawhi Leonard we're not going to trade Kemba Walker so that should be a really good point guard matchup going to be a good test for the Blazers defensively then they have another they had their second back back back-to-back of the week they head to Sacramento where they lost earlier this year and who knows who's going to be on Sacramento Zach Randolph potentially on the move, George Hill potentially on the move, so they could have some different guys. Though they've they've kind of leaned into the youth movement over there, but that didn't stop the Blazers from losing to the Kings back in November in Sacramento. So, eh, not exactly the, the the safest game, and I don't think anybody's really a you know a clear cut win for the Blazers on this schedule. And they've actually been fortunate that Oklahoma City has kind of hit a swoon here as well. So they're kind of still in the mix for that five spot. But after that game in Sacramento on Friday, they'll come back home to face the Utah Jazz on Sunday before they close out the pre-All-Star portion of the schedule with the World Champs on Valentine's Day, February 14th at the Moda Center. So should be... A very, very uh, interesting stretch for the Blazers. I think the next few days are going to be more interesting because I think it's going to tell us a little bit more of how they view the team, what the market was like, what was really out there for the Blazers to get. We can learn more about that. But as I mentioned in that first segment, it's I think it's okay that you haven't heard that much outside the DeAndre stuff because the Blazers and Neil O'Shea really tend to move in silence and so I think moves are on the horizon they're trying to move Vonley that's been reported uh, by the athletic and that's also not surprising because Zach Collins has really emerged they could also be looking to lower their luxury tax bill maybe they move a first round pick to do that they might be able to avoid it this year if they if they can get the right guy in a trade even an Aaron Gordon trade perhaps if you could get a team to take on Mo Harkless or or one of their other big money guys maybe that is, is something that happens who knows but uh there are ways for Portland to get under the luxury tax and improve the team Ed Davis could be one of those although Damian Lillard does not want that to happen he has voiced that but he may be one of Portland's most tradable assets especially to a team maybe that is looking to Contend and, and do well in the playoffs and needs a little front court help. So, the next couple of days should be very, very interesting. If anything happens, we will have a podcast. Thank you for being patient over the weekend. It's a big, big weekend for sports, and the Blazers had a really tough weekend over that course, over the course of that weekend. So, we'll be back here on Lockdown Blazers. We will have some post Terry deadline stuff. We will have anything if it breaks, even if it's a big trade that maybe was a potential target that the Blazers were after, we'll have a quick pot up. Uh, Big, big week. Set your Woj notifications, set your Mark Stein notifications, your Sam Amick notifications, all that breaking. Chris Haynes, all those guys, get those notifications ready because it's the season of fake reports and you don't want to get duped by fake Woj or any of the other fake accounts. So that's just a pro tip from me. So we will be back here on lockdown. Blazers. We'll be back here at least before Draft Wednesday. So until then, keep it locked on here and have a great evening. And hopefully we get some trades soon.